The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, we normally come to you having just recapped the Milwaukee Brewers series, but today is different. Um, today is a special episode, Adam. Why is it special? T- tell everyone, Adam. Tell everyone what this occasion marks. It's our 100th episode. Here we are. Little did we know. Just over a year ago, we set out on this. I don't know if Andrew expected us to get this far. I think Andrew expects every episode to be the last one. But here we are. We've done a hundred of these. And it's been quite a journey, Andrew. We've we've really gone through from the beginnings of me knowing pretty much zero about baseball to now having followed along for a full season and a half with this team. To having really gone through the ringer in terms of the ups and downs, the full emotional range that is just a given of Brewers baseball. And then on top of that, we both got to to go to Milwaukee, take in some games at AmFam, go to Wrigley Field and take in the greatness of, you know, disappointed Cubs fans as the Brewers win in Chicago. And with all that, it's it's been pretty special. I think you just 
you offhandedly sent me like a joke DM about starting a, a baseball podcast and I did not respond with a joke. I said, sure, because if anyone offers me a podcast, that's what I do. And here we are, 100 episodes later. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. And now we find ourselves the Brewers 28 and 25 in first place of the Rocky NL Central. And we have, uh, you know, we're, we're going for 100 more, 200, 300, 400, 500. We'll see how it turns out. Thanks to everyone who has ever listened. Thanks to the people we met in Milwaukee. Um, thanks to Ty uh, for putting up with me, messaging him once a week, being like, okay, if you want to fire me over this, that's fine. Uh, he make, likes to make that joke often. Um, but yeah, Adam, uh, this episode, we actually uh, brought in a special guest to mark the occasion. Our first guest outside of the GSBN family, if I'm remembering that correctly. You definitely are remembering that correctly. Um, we've only previously had our own our own GSPN colleagues and teammates on the pod before, but for the occasion that's in it, it seemed like a good time to broaden out beyond that. And so we spoke to one of the people, I guess we, of non, uh, non-player executive management division, one of the people we probably talk about most on this podcast who doesn't in fact work for the Brewers, that is Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, one of the Brewers beat writers over there, someone whose work we are always kind of quick to to bring attention to. There's no way if you're listening to us that you're not familiar with Kurt, that you don't follow him on Twitter, that you don't listen to the Journal Sentinel's podcast, most likely. So there aren't too many better people on the planet, too many people who know much more about the ins and outs of Brewers baseball and where this team is at right now. So it was very exciting that... Here we are, 100 episodes, and we get to talk to Kurt about the Brewers. So without further ado, let me pass it over to our conversation with Kurt, and you'll hear from us again at the other side. You'll hear from us throughout, but you'll hear from us in the moment after you hear from Kurt. All right, for our 100th episode of Cruising for a Bruising, we had to bring in a special guest. I think this is our first guest. Uh, We've had other GSBN colleagues on, but never like a, a true heavy hitter like we have now. Joining us uh, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Kurt Hogue. Kurt, thanks for joining the podcast. How you doing? Hey, 100 episodes. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of podcasting. A lot of Brewers baseball. Uh, we've had the ups and downs for sure amongst that. You know what that feels like better than anyone. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, uh, the first question is, you know, baseball is a war of attrition for the players and the coaches, but also for the beat writers. So how are you holding up? Yeah, I, I've, I was joking around. I'm not going to put my exact record out there in games I've been to this year. I don't I don't definitely don't need that public, but it's not good. So joking around with some the other day, I was like, there's probably no one that has uh, just like thinks this team is worse than I do. Just because I always <laughs> like I never see them actually play well. It's like, whenever they win, it's it's basically when I'm not there. So uh, when I'm watching on TV and and Todd Rosie heck is covering. So it's uh it's kind of funny how that's that's worked out this year. Um, a lot of losses, uh, a lot of losses, a lot of big losses. The eighteen to one loss, I was there. They lost fifteen to one, I think I was there. They lost like twelve to one, I was there. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting start to the year. 
it's funny you mentioned that because Andrew and I both made our, our first trip to uh to Milwaukee to see some Brewers games start out the season and we went to Chicago before that to Wrigley and as became something of a running joke in my time stateside neither the Brewers or the Bucks lost a single game so I've had the I've had the opposite effect this year as it seems that you you've had so I don't know, maybe we can meet in the middle somewhere on that and get you some more wins, see as you see a lot more Brewers games live than me. Well, you should have stuck around for the Bucks then. I, I, know, I know that, I know that I know. for sure. I think uh, next year during the playoffs, we're just going to fly at them out, get them an Airbnb for the whole playoff run, however it goes, and then just you know see if uh, the goodwill continues. Yeah, at the very least, he can camp out at, at like a, whatever the nearest state park is. That sounds like a plan. I'm I'm open to it uh all right let's let's get into this a little bit i mean one of the first things we want to talk to you about one of the things that prompted us to think about getting you on the podcast you're someone whose work we reference frequently and we're big admirers of but i think one piece stood out and i think for a lot of people uh really enjoyed lately was your your profile on devin williams and i guess some of the magic that goes into the airbender and just how it boggles the minds of some of the best hitters in the game. Um, what goes into a piece like that for you? How long were you thinking about that? Because obviously there's multiple big yeah. names. So I think anyone reading it can see it's kind of being pieced together over a period of time. So what what's it like to kind of put an article like that together? Yeah, so I had wanted to do something similar. I, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like that on Devin Williams, just because he's maybe the team's best player. Um, he's arguably the top reliever in baseball. So I wasn't sure what it was. Um, honestly, it started at the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Ken Griffey was the hitting coach. And a lot a lot of me just wanted to find a, a topic to talk to Ken Griffey about. And <laughs> that made by far the most sense since Devin Williams was on that team. I wanted to see if they had talked at all. Um, and And – Griffey was great. We talked for maybe five minutes or so um, uh, after a batting practice before I think the last game in Arizona. So uh, that that was that was a super cool experience for me. Just like as a kid who grew up loving baseball, like talking to Ken Griffey. Um, honestly, probably as nervous as I've been to t- to talk to interview mm-hmm. someone uh, in the big leagues or, or at this job. So that was great. And then I was, then it kind of set some stuff off in my head, just with some of his, what, what, some of the things he said, some of his quotes of like, I wonder what, uh, I wonder what, like what trout or, or, you know, some of the other best hitters that, that come through, uh, come through Milwaukee would say about what it's like to face Devin Williams. Cause obviously we know, it's a tough time. We know what makes it a tough time is the changeup. Um, but I thought it was interesting some of the 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 smaller minutia that they that they commented on. You know, not not hammering home on like the changeup is good, but some of the other stuff that makes Devin Williams um, um, really good as well. And then I thought he had some interesting things to say too about like his demeanor um, and the, kind of the backstory about how he he almost okay. I guess he didn't almost stop throwing the changeup, but there were people that. St- thought he should come he should change uh his best pitch so it, it took a couple months um not like i was working on it every day but whenever the opportunity would come up to get someone for that story uh it all it all worked out um after a little bit of a process there i i thought it was really interesting because yeah ultimately landed on a place as you said Devin, kind of talking about 
the response that he was getting to his changeup before coming to the majors, and I guess the anticipation of a lot of people saying this won't work. You talked about his read because there was so much spin on it that there was this thought of, well, maybe he's going to have to change. And how he kind of paints you was, well, he's unique. And Mm -hmm. that's really what you want as a pitcher. You want something that is uniquely yours, that guys aren't going to be really kind of familiar with seeing, really familiar with hitting. And it kind of feels like, whether it's Trout, whether it's anyone else, that's kind of the response you got then from going beyond Devon and speaking outside the organization to what was the concern has proved to be the strength and in a way where it seems like Devin kind of anticipated that being the case. Yeah. I mean, the changeup was always really, really good coming up. So uh, not a huge surprise that it's been really good. I, I mean, maybe a surprise that it's been this, this good in the big leagues, but you know, the results, the results were there. And I think it was just more of a case of, you know, with the high spin, we were kind of learning still about, about how spin works and, um, and, and, De- Devin, like you mentioned, he was talking about being an outlier and kind of you look around the league and or you even look around the Brewers clubhouse, especially on the pitching staff. All those guys pretty much to some degree do something that is different, you know, whether it's Corbin Burns throwing his cutter, uh, that no one else really throws a cutter like that. Brandon Woodruff's got two insane fastballs. Um, Peter Strzelecki's fa- fastball spins like in a really, really weird way. So, you know, Hobie Milner's throwing from way down. So it's, it's, that's, that was kind of his general point is like, you, you want outliers, especially on the pitching side, like the best of the best, they all do something that nobody does. And that's what makes them really good. Do you think this is something unique to the Brewers organization that gives them the ability to do this with guys? Because even someone like Bryce Wilson this year comes in and has a, a pitch that like the shape now looks like a cutter and he's gone from a guy who was struggling to fit into the rotation uh, in other teams. And now he's turned into a reliever that Craig council is starting to trust in some high leverage situations. I think it's just what, it's what good teams do, uh, especially it's not even so much with the star players. Like those guys are just really good, but it's how you build up that depth. It's how you you know, you you find guys like Bryce Wilson um, that have some sort of trait that you think you can get the most out of, and then you try to get the most. It doesn't always work. Uh, I feel like the Brewers have brought in a lot of relievers, like that seventh or eighth bullpen guy in the last few years, and, like, there's one characteristic or one quality that they really like and they think they can bring out, like, you know, think about Javi Guerra or Jake McGee, like all these guys that didn't last. But... Uh, the the attempt to try to find guys that are outliers and and turn it into turn them into useful major league players is i mean it's something that some like you think about the padres i don't think they're they're doing enough of that um just in terms of like their player acquisition and player development um maybe not outside the box enough so yeah it's and it's something the brewers kind of have to do as well uh as they you know try to churn out as much value as they can out of certain guys yeah, Padre spending Brewers player development. That sounds like a, a recipe <laughs> for success. Yeah, I mean, like, you think about it. The reason the Dodgers are so good is because they 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 can flex their muscle when they want, but they do not act like the Dodgers at all times. Like, they are a player, develop, player development machine. They're innovative, like. They're they're just a they're just a gauntlet uh, in every possible way of like 
more than just money. Yeah, they got Tyler Anderson paid. Well, it's one of those where if you're going to be the team, you know, if you're going to invest so much money in terms of spending from outside of your own system, whether it comes to free agency, if you invest that in your own system too, then if you get your development right, you're in a position, you know, you have the financial muscle to pay those guys and to keep them and as well to build around it. I think it's kind of, they have a by far a situation that every other team envies, but it is, it's interesting that so many other teams who try to play a Dodgers S game in some other areas don't really follow true on the development side. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to be, I mean, the Dodgers are essentially like the big muscle raise. If you think about it um, from like a player development standpoint, it's really hard to do that. Um, but there's, you know, like there's an emphasis on all, all the good and all the best teams have some faction of, you know, like they they built this internally, internal depth, um, you know, good drafts, things along those lines. Um, the, you know, the Brewers have been not so great on the, on the player development side on hitting, but that might be maybe maybe coming around here uh, a little bit with this with this current crop of guys. But uh, they're <laughs> they're 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 not working with as much as the Dodgers, that's for sure. So that's what kind of what they have to do. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That brings me to another question I had. Uh, we love, and our listeners love, in our Discord, the uh, recurring Jackson Trio homered tweet. Uh, big fans of that. Is there another prospect in the system that maybe we're not talking about that uh, you're excited to see at some point soon? I mean, I could talk prospect. I could talk prospects all day. <laughs> um, the the guy. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Um, Jefferson Caro has been insanely good um, offensively. In addition to like he was already a defensive savant, kind of coming into this year uh, at 20 years old. Uh, the guy that I'm I've been kind of keeping my eye on since the beginning of the year. I think we did a mailbag like in January, February, and someone asked who's your prospect that will do this year's version of Cheerio with like 
you know, he's not going to super rocket to number one, uh, number one prospect in baseball, but like a guy that can make that ascent. I thought it was Tyler Black. Um, he hadn't played a ton, but the skills were there. Um, like the, the play discipline's incredible, and he was like a little bit of power away from kind of breaking out and being a top 100 guy. And he's, I don't know if he's on any top 100 list right now, but. He should certainly be in that conversation with what he's doing at double A. Like he's on pace to steal like 50 or 60 bases or something crazy like that. Hit 20 homers. Um, so that that's if I had to pick a guy, it'd be Tyler Black. But like I said, we I, I we could talk prospects for a while. Well, let's keep talking about them for a second. Let's let's go to the really big yeah. one, the really obvious one, because we kind of have a, an internal battle of sorts and our listeners often talk about where there's this kind of this fine line that we're trying to toe between getting too excited about Cheerio, bringing up too much hype, trying to kind of find the right balance for, okay, when you think of just how young he is, when you think of how rapid the ascent has been, it's kind of interesting on that front because he's gone through some of his first real struggles and yet he came out the other side of it and uh, with a with a massive homer for good measure to just kind of show who he is still. Where are you at on the Churio journey? I think it's it's increasing at a point, as you said, number one prospect in baseball. When you get to those levels of conversation, it's it's not really about doubts, but the rise has been so meteoric. I think what a lot of Brewers fans are trying to co- get to grips with is what what kind of timeline could we be looking at? Is it is it something that's going to be just as kind of scarily quick from here on up. He's obviously handled things pretty well in double A. Where are you at on Churion and trying to find the balance when you talk about him even of, okay, this this looks like the Brewers have got something really, really special, but at the same time, he is so, so young. Yeah, the, the timeline the timeline here is, is quite tricky. I've been pretty adamant that like 2024, maybe not even to begin the season, um is probably when you're going to see him because i mean he's 19 and hadn't played a, well i guess he had like a week at double a but he hadn't really played at double mm-hmm. a coming into the season at all um and he just needs to log a lot of at bats at that level you know whether good or bad like that's probably what's best for him um i've come around a little more recently to the idea of like how if if he play if he's playing well and like fully adjusted to double a I don't know how much a guy like that needs to spend time at triple a. Um, we've seen a lot more guys recently make the jump from double a to, to the bigs and Cheerio is a guy who would like one of his skills that he adjusts really well. And as you, as you watch him along throughout this year at, at double a, he's adjusting. Uh, like you can see it happening on the fly uh, starting the year. It was like breaking balls, anything soft, low and away. He was way out in front, hitting ground balls. Um, and even in that, I was like oh for twenty one stretch he had before he busted out with the homer over the weekend. I watch, I watch a fair, I watch a fair amount of like Biloxi Shuckers games, uh, especially when I'm not covering uh, the Brewers in person, uh, which is like half the time. Uh, Todd, Todd Rosiak and I split it, so it's a fair amount of Shuckers. And in that oh for twenty one stretch. He was still hitting like he was still hitting the crap out of the ball. It was going right to people a lot of the time. So the over 21 was quite misleading, I think, like a lot of hundred plus exit velos. Um so he's he still needs 
of a, a good amount of time, a lot of time at double A, um, just to keep facing that type of ELO, t- face that type of breaking ball, you know, see what pitchers are trying to do to him. But I'm becoming less and less convinced that like you you need to get the kid like 300 plate appearances at triple A or 200 at triple A. Like, I just I just don't know how much he needs it. That's exciting. That's that's the kind of thing that's going to make it harder for us to kind of keep on a level keel. Um, I, I guess the other prospect, the other really big name prospect, I, I think as we're recording today, um, the the Jackson Cheerio episode of the freshman is is going to come out, and obviously someone who's featured prominently before his injury with Sal Freelich. And I, I think it's a it's a really tough one for him because you look at how the Brewer season has unfolded with injuries, and he may may well have been up in the bigs at this point, if not for for his own injury. Where are you at on Sal Freelich or the kind of impact that hopefully once he gets healthy that he could still have for the Brewers in what is going to be more short term than some of the other guys we're talking about? Yeah, what a what a like unfortunate two months for Sal Freelich. I think he probably could have been on the opening day roster if he didn't hit left handed. You know, he kind of overlapped mm-hmm. Garrett Mitchell there. Uh, and then he would have been on the big league roster and probably starting every day in center field now if he didn't injure his thumb sliding into second base on a double the same night that Garrett Mitchell got hurt. Like if the Brewers had played a day game that day or whatever it had been, like Sal Freelich would not have been the lineup and he wouldn't have gotten hurt in like a, a freak thumb injury. So uh, he's he's on the men back. It's been six weeks. That's like right around the timeline for him to start baseball activities. I I don't know how – like it's it's sort of a similar answer to Wachurio, but like Sal Freelich really doesn't need AAA right now, especially considering the state of the outfield. Um and the fact that they're like getting no offensive contributions whatsoever from center field or right field, unless, unless Brian Anderson's in right field, he's been pretty good. But, um, but Weimer and then Taylor have really struggled, especially in May. So I don't see any reason why self really couldn't, you know, as soon as he's healthy, get some at bats maybe under him and like a, a, a rehab assignment. Um, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be up here and, and playing a lot because you know what you're going to get out of him for the most part. Like he's a high contact. He's going to spray the ball over, play good defense fast. Uh, and they could use a, like a known, a known quantity as much as of a known quantity that you can have with a guy who's never played in the big leagues. I appreciate uh, your willingness to talk prospects all day. There's a drinking game on this podcast for any time I bring up Keith law. So uh, I can relate. <laughs> uh, would love to get your thoughts on, the season thus far and what you see for this team going forward. All obviously the the big story has been guys getting hurt. Uh, but they're in first place. We know what the NL Central is. We've reached Memorial Day, which is traditionally like a marker where we can say what's real, what's not. So what do you think this team will be going forward and can they overcome the adversity they've gone through so far? Yeah, I mean the injuries like there's there's no way around it. Losing Brandon Woodruff for two months They'll lose Wade Miley for two months. You know, they they like even some of the replacement pieces like Ashby have been hurt. Um, they've survived it. Uh, I don't think they've played particularly well, especially for the last what's been now like, I guess the month of May. But even going back a little bit past that, it's been below five hundred ball. Uh, yet the reality of it is, no one else in this division made them pay for it. The Brewers are what only three games over five hundred. And they still have, they're not only in first place, but they have a, a little bit, you know, a, a tiny little bit of a cushion over over the rest of the division as well. Like, 
that that was the Pirates chance or the or you know I don't want to say the Cardinals chance because I still think they'll get hot but mm-hmm. the Brewers gave teams an opportunity to to make them pay for having all these injuries and no one else in the division is nearly as depleted as the Brewers are um so I I think that the hope is you get all your pieces back you know Woodruff maybe back by like the all-star break Miley around then Ashby comes back at some point um Rios will be back on this road trip. You get all these guys back, you go on a little bit of a run, and you kind of, I don't know, you you, you take this division, I don't want to say comfortably, but like you'll be in, you'll, you, the, the, the idea is you'll be in pole position the entire time. Now we'll see, can they survive? Like they still got another, what, month, month and a half to survive before all these guys start coming back. And that's a test, and it's a tough test, but they're still in a good spot. No one's made him pay yet. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a good division. That's, that's the biggest thing working for the Brewers right now. Being around the team. I, I think one of the things that you hear a lot about when the Brewers get talked about is that there is this generally good vibe around the team. And there's just a sense of camaraderie that isn't always maybe quite as strong in some other teams around the league. How do you feel the energy is going through such a tough spell and kind of, I guess, the relentless injuries, because I think even for fans, there's been something about, my God, really, it's another injury. It's another injury, one after the other, where you feel like it's it's got to kind of weigh on players too. It just seemed like early in the season, particularly with the rookies coming up, there was a real kind of injection of fresh energy. Everything seemed to be rolling in the right direction. They didn't get to hold on to that very long. Do you still kind of get the feeling that it's business as usual and everyone is feeling good and ready to kick on? Or is there an element which is kind of natural of, yeah, this is this is tough and we're going through it? Yeah, well, it's funny. Earlier in there, the question was like, are the vibes really good because they're winning? Are they winning really good? Are they, re- <laughs> yeah. are they winning because the vibes are really good? Um, a little bit of both, I think. I tend to I tend to think it's more like the vibes are good because you're winning, mm-hmm. um, but but there was I mean there was a real element to it of like this team, uh, this team does like each other they get along pretty well like the clubhouse is in a much better spot than it was late last year. It is tough though, um, not only because guys are down and, and missing due to injury, but then the team doesn't play as well because of that you got some you know guys a lot more guys who are just like individually scuffling um and not not playing great and so that kind of makes it tough as well uh but it's you know uh, the the vibe certainly isn't bad it's it's um it's it's workman like right now like they're just trying to battle through all these injuries keep their heads up um yeah we've seen stuff like and also like when willie adonis gets hit by a foul ball that that throws a wrench in uh in 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 the the vibes for sure uh, as guys are like trying to figure out you know they get through that game and figure out if he's okay and then you got to move on from that and you know play the rest of the series so yeah it's been a challenge um i think they're working through it though certainly looks like it record wise i mean that's that's as you said without playing all that well without having a whole lot of things go their way well First in the NL Central, you can't you can't have too many complaints about that under the circumstances. You mentioned the vibes towards the end of last season, and it was well documented. And guys spoke about it that the Josh Hader trade obviously had a a very significant impact on 
the season. They went from a position where I, you mentioned pole position. They were very much in pole position last year too. And things really went south from there. We're a bit out still. A lot can change. A lot can, can move one way or another. But is there a sense that the Brewers are going to maybe be a little bit more conservative when it approaches the trade deadline, having learned some of the lessons of last year? Or given the situation that contractually some of their key players are in, Corbin Burns is certainly someone that I think media from every other market around Major League Baseball seems to be eager to throw into trade rumors and trade discussions all the time. Could the Brewers really look at making a move like that again? I've said I've said this on well, I've said it on our podcast. I was on with um with Kratz and Scott Braun on their Brewers podcast. Like I would be stunned if the Brewers did something like that again. You saw they saw the reaction from the fans, they saw the reaction from the clubhouse. I don't necessarily think like the hater trade was the reason that they tanked, but uh the season tanked and it was after the right like right after they traded hater. Clear line of demarcation for when it went south. Uh I I I just don't see it happening again. I think there's like a legitimate argument maybe to do it, but I also think the better argument is is you know move move on in the offseason from any of any of those guys that you um kind of want to maximize the return for and not lose them for nothing if that's what you want to do. So yeah, I would be stunned if if Burns or any of those guys are you know if there's any creative you know retooling on the fly at the deadline this year. It was just so it's so apparent that it did not work out last year. Um and I don't think they want to I don't I, like even if baseball ops, you know, thinks that's the right move, it takes a lot more than that to sign off on it. And I don't think that would that would be the case. So they're an interesting team for sure at the deadline this year. Like the flip side of you know of of the idea of trading burns at the deadline is like these guys are going to be gone soon. Do you maximize the time that you have them? Um, I think the Brewers fall somewhere in between there and like more on the buying side. And but that I I don't foresee them making any any deals that they sell the farm for um to put it that way but buyers for sure okay that's that's exciting i think people will be glad to hear that in terms of uh internal improvement guys coming back from injuries that can make an impact immediately we know Luisa Rios is on a rehab assignment in Nashville and should be rejoining the team soon obviously there's a spot for him on the 40 man now with Luke Voigt being designated for assignment uh how do you see his role uh shaping up in the immediate return uh, obviously Bryce Terang's played great defensively at second uh but you know been hot and cold with the bat do you think uh, Arias slots in as the everyday second baseman, or does Craig go with more of a mix and match approach like he's uh, like to do when he has a full complement of guys? Yeah, it seems like the theme so far this year is they have more often than not maximized their defensive lineups. Uh, and if they do, if they go with that strategy, then that would be Brian Anderson at third instead of right field, uh, which would, which you know, but but then the the tricky part with that is then. Urias is probably at second instead of Bryce Terang, and Terang maximizes your infield. So, um, when I my my gut would say most often, like you'd see Anderson and right, just with the way Tyrone Taylor has struggled at the plate, um, then you kind of ride Terang's somewhat streaky bat, uh, but, but but take the defense at second, and then Urias goes to third. So, I, I mean, I I think it'll be for the most part more mix and match than anything. Uh, Urias in there. Pretty much every day, though, a lot of Brian Anderson as well. I mean, he's been 
what probably their and their second best hitter, probably their second best hitter behind Rowdy. So yeah, um, a lot of Rios, a lot of Anderson, and then you know <laughs> you hope one of those other guys can, depending on who's hot, you can kind of move people around. And I I didn't even talk about Owen Miller there. Like you got to find ways to get Miller in the lineup as well. Um, until he until you know until his bat tells you to not get him in the lineup. Maybe is Owen Miller in right field? That's that's possibly a solution. It it feels at the moment pretty tough to kind of move away from Owen Miller. You've got to find a, a spot for him when you look at so many other guys, as you said, someone like Bryce Tarang, who's a streaky hitter, I think would be a, a way of putting it kindly through his rookie season. That's not all that surprising. I mean, it's the kind of thing that you could see happen anyway. But Miller has definitely kind of emerged in the past month as I mean, one of the most pleasant surprises of the season, but a really, really consistent part of the offense. Uh, to pivot slightly away from away from what's currently happening on the field to, I guess, some of the rumblings that have been starting up over the past couple of months and some more fuel to it with Rob Manfred visiting in the last week. And this is, I guess, what's happening with the stadium and the future of AmFam and the idea that renovations are required and and are coming up fast on the horizon. Um, this is something that I think for all Milwaukee sports fans, it's always going to bring a level of anxiety to the equation. It's not that long ago since the books had their own arena concerns, and that was kind of lingering over the future of the books. So although we're very far from a point where it seems like this is going to reach the kind of the place where no one wants to be and with the kind of constant discussions that no one wants to have. Do you anticipate this being something that is going to kind of every now and then rear its head and kind of loom in the distance over the brewers in the next few seasons? It's obviously a very complicated situation with funding and with the state elements at play too. Uh, But it, it does seem like the past month or so we're really maybe moving into the beginning of something that, Brewers fans are unfortunately going to have to consider for the next few years. Yeah, it's it's not a fun topic to have, especially in a small market, but in any market really, um, for a variety of reasons. I, I think like tr- trying to predict going a couple of years forward, like is is would essentially be trying to predict like how it plays out in legislation, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what a lot of this is going to come down to with the way that the lease the least like lines things up and shakes up. So um, shapes up, I should say. So I, I, I can't like put my, I just, I don't know, like my politics legislation hat on and like say exactly what I think is going to happen there. Um, the, at the end of the day, I think any talk of the brewers leaving town is like not only a few years from now before having like any inkling of legitimacy, at, but like, I just I don't see it happening at all. I've been saying this for a few months now. Like I don't know, just looking around the ballpark the other day, and you know, it's like a Saturday attendance, they had forty thousand for the a Giants game, not like a huge draw by any stretch of the imagination. Like, what's the better alternative uh, for the league for an owner than Milwaukee right now? When it's not like they need to build an entirely new stadium, um, it's not like it does. Like the lease lays out pretty clearly that 
someone, you know, the stadium district has to pay for these improvements. Now, I guess you could argue what, like, you know, how many, how many improvements are actually needed? What's the cost of those that are needed? Um, I don't, I don't know exactly how to get into all that right now, but like the lease is pretty, the lease is fairly clear about how this works out. And because of that, I'm inclined to think it doesn't take, like, this doesn't get drawn out too long. I could be, I could be wrong about that. Um, I don't think though I'm wrong about like they're not really being any concern, especially right now, about the Brewers ever leaving town. I think we can all get on board with that. As I said at the start, Andrew and I haven't recently visited. We were both struck by how great the stadium is, and Andrew has a lot more experience than me of different ballparks all around the league. And I won't speak for you, Andrew, but it's safe to say you were even quite impressed and even a lot of that kind of has come up as the areas in need of renovation, which in its in its own right seems surprising. Okay, we're talking about the lease, and that's still a few years away. And with that, you're projecting, yeah, okay, down the line, you are going to need to improve in those areas. Uh, but it, as you said, it feels a long way away from anything drastic needing to happen with the stadium. Yeah, the brandy on old fashions on tap, or what did it for me, Adam? But yeah, <laughs> that is yeah, that is that is a perk, and like. What's the what's the alternative? What's the other market right now? Vegas is was just snatched up. You know, I you know you hear some other markets thrown out, but like outside of maybe having a few more people and then you get a little more like TV money, are you really going to turn down a, a consistent like top twelve attendance market over this? No, no, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Um... That's all I've got. Have you got any more questions, Andrew? Uh, no, just wanted to wish Kurt luck on um his search for Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, you put out the uh, you put out the ask on the last episode of your podcast with J.R. Radcliffe uh, that if someone can help you out uh, in an affordable way to 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 contact you. So I just want to put that ask out to our listeners as well. If you can help Kurt, help Kurt. Yes, as as much as much uh, airtime as possible. Uh, I will pay, but I will not pay the StubHub prices. <laughs> I'm I'm looking. There's like a there's like a Taylor there's like an account that I don't know how they do it, but they update when like new tickets become available on Ticketmaster. So uh, with the Chicago and Detroit and Minneapolis concerts coming up, my eyes are peeled. I'm not optimistic though. It's tough out there. Well, we wish you all all the best to look on that. Um, maybe just maybe things will things will break your way. We yeah. really really appreciate you joining us, Kurt. Um, as as I said up top, you're someone whose work we greatly appreciate. We regularly shout out on on the podcast. I think for all Brewers fans, um, makes it a lot easier to follow the team and get a real sense of what's going on with all the different guys whose stories you tell from game to game, series to series. So appreciate all your work and thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Anytime. Okay, Andrew. So that was a great conversation with Kurt. It's also, I think, fun just for us to talk in a, a more macro sense. A lot of topics there that kind of drop in episode to episode, series to series when we're covering the team. But it's rare that we get to just zoom out in season and talk about the Brewers like that. So it was fun to get to do it with someone like Kurt. Yeah, and thanks again to Kurt for jumping on. Uh, great conversation. Always love to dig into prospects whenever possible, and 
like you said, we go to the the thirty thousand foot view of of this Brewers season and just the Brewers organization in general. I think his his article about Devin Williams is definitely worth checking out. Um, as I've said a few times on this podcast, one of my favorite things about baseball is process and skill development. I think it's cool to see how Devin Williams uh, being an outlier was something the Brewers or- organization viewed as a strength. And now we're seeing that uh, all those years later and him being one of the most dominant closers in baseball. So definitely get cool to talk about how that article shaped up for him and just Devin Williams' story. So that was a fun conversation. Yeah, and then I guess to wrap it up, to bring it back and to echo some of what we, we said up top, 100 episodes, it's a big deal for us. Uh, I've I've been down this road, I've done multiple hundreds, but winning six. Uh, we're approaching 100 on another podcast we do soon, Andrew. So you and I are certainly cocking up no shortage of podcast episodes together. Uh, but I'd like to to echo what you said uh, we've got some really great listeners, people who are really dedicated, who have been very supportive of us, have got involved from very early on. We've been lucky to get, a, I guess, a head start in terms of launching within the Eurostep Podcast Network with a, a fan base of people who are already very invested in Milwaukee sports through the books. And it's been great to see some of those people that I've kind of known and interacted with over the years, come over and join us on this part of the journey. And also it sees people brand new come into the mix and just be, be fully locked in on the brewers. Um, I am particularly grateful to all those people because if they've been listening from the early days, they've been listening from the start of this pod. <laughs> they got a version of me who really, really knew very little at the start and, you know, knows marginally more now. It's a work in progress every day. Um, but it's it's always been very, very appreciated by us that we've got a very devoted and very consistent listenership. And that's even true the ups and downs that the brewers inevitably deliver. We can rely on our listeners being about as engaged as ever, regardless of what's happening on the field. And that's that's a big deal. So thank you to all of you who listen. Yeah, I echo those statements wholly. I mean, obviously, in the Discord, we also often have group therapy when things aren't going so well for the Brewers, and I, for one, definitely need that when things aren't going so well. Um, but yeah, 100 episodes, here's to 100 more, Adam, and here's to eventually, you know, however many years down the line, however long it takes, a, a post-World Series podcast is what is, uh, you know, the number one goal on my agenda for this podcast is to for you and I to sit down and, and celebrate a World Series together. But for now, I'll settle for a playoff berth. I have been on that journey with the books. I'm with winning six. And from a point where I think kind of like that feels right now where <laughs> it was beyond fantasy. It's the kind of thing you could talk about in the abstract, but it was purely in the abstract. It was never going to happen, really. Things like that do not happen to Milwaukee sports teams. And then guess what? It happened. So let's hope so. Kurt talked about many of the exciting prospects that we talk about a whole lot. Hopefully some of that is in the Brewers' future. And lastly, thank you, Andrew. Couldn't think of anyone I'd rather do this with who would be a better guide, true Brewers baseball, true baseball in general over the past year plus at this point. So we couldn't have got here without your patience, without your knowledge, 
and let's keep on going. Wow, Adam, don't hit me in the mo- the, the emotions like that uh, <laughs> without warning me. You know, we've known each other a long time now, finally got to meet in person. Uh, and this uh, baseball has been a new wrinkle to that friendship. Uh, and it's been a, a great journey and one that will uh, continue on. Andrew mourns that are a real life parting at the airport, wasn't it? Was very just, you know, two men just being like, yeah, see you later. So you gotta gotta drop it on them and catch them by surprise. Yeah, I'm a i I'm a stoic southern man, despite like I said a few episodes ago, can't remember which pods it cast, I look like a librarian. On that note, thanks again to all of you for listening. We'll be back. Normal service will resume with an episode following the Brewers series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Hopefully they bring us good news to talk about. And I don't just mean that they lose the first two games and then win the final one so that we're not podcasting after a loss. Just go and go and break that trend, Brewers. Let's get a series win. As always, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss out on any episodes of Cruising for a Bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. On the Eurostep Podcast Network main feed, get all things Milwaukee books. Eurostep with Ty and Rowan, winning six with myself and Jordan. All the focus is on Adrian Griffin's hire as books head coach at the moment. We'll have another pod coming later in the week on that. I'm sure after the books officially announce it and we hear from ownership or John Horst or Griffin in press conferences. And as is, Ty and Rowan have an episode which should be available for you to listen to right now. So go and check that out. Talk of the Tundra, Numac and Jordan cover all things Green Bay Packers. You want to be on top of everything Packers leading into what is a very exciting season, a season where it's going to be full of change. It's no better place to get your Packers analysis than Talk of the Tundra. And last, but by no means least... Andrew and I also host Pop Culture Podcast. Make time for this episode the succession finale coming soon. That should be in your feeds. I'll make time for this tomorrow. So make sure that you know you go subscribe there because you're gonna you're gonna want to listen to that. You want all the succession content you can get. Until the next time. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>